We're no bunch of amateurs, but we are going retrograde as we declare there'll be no bears at the carnival in Wakanda forever. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Adam Ball. And this is Off Screen, your seven day guide to everything movies. Boom. Groovy. So welcome back, and we are starting with some brand new movies out this week, as we always do. So, Van, talk to me about a bunch of amateurs. Yes, a bunch of amateurs. It sounds like it's really setting you up for disappointment with that title, doesn't it? A bunch of amateurs. But I can assure you, it's actually a really sweet, really sort of charming movie. So, this is a documentary about Bradford's oldest film society. This is a society going back decades and decades. This is literally just a bunch of film fans of all different walks of life who get together and run this basically no-budget little community group in which they have a little screening room set up and they they get together and they watch their old favourite movies. And one of their elder members members, members decides he he wants to star in a remake of his favourite movie, Oklahoma. So a younger member of the society, using, you know, modern budget, you know, off the rack, you can buy it in curries like filming equipment, yeah. sets out to do exactly this. You know, using basic pop-up green screens and things like that, literally film the old guy on a horse and things like that, he lip syncs to the songs. And and that's it. And it it's, it's how they put this together, how they, de- they do this in the name of the film society and how they promote it, but also how COVID kicks in in the middle of this and kind of ruins the game for them. Um, I can say it's a really sweet, really charming documentary. Uh, like one of those that you can tell has been made for basically no money. Like this is this is very clearly a, a labour of love. I mean, clearly they were making two films. They were making the actual film they were making and they were making this documentary side by side. There's loads in this though where, have you, have you ever done any like filming work with friends? I know you do music stuff. Have you ever done any like music videos and things with, with friends? Yeah, and to be honest, it's, it's not that easy. Um, it's it's quite easy to turn out quite amateur looking as well as actually being quite amateur exactly that. but the thing is as well you get into that he just has to deal with the frust- this, this guy who's filming this has to deal with the frustrations of working with you know older people who just simply don't really see eye to eye with him and there's a lot of clashing of a lot of very understandable clashing clashing of egos and things like that it's like they are known as the bradford movie makers um they're known as the i think they're one of the oldest filmmaking clubs in the world officially at one point we do get told that i think it's prior to the war there was a there was the potential that bradford was going to be set up as like the hollywood of britain it just never quite happened you do wind up learning an awful lot about this, uh, you know, an awful lot from this. It's a really insightful documentary. Like I say, it is more than anything just about that sort of grand, unifying, magical power of movies, the way that movies just tends, tend to bring people together. It's kind of affectionate in that way, but at the same time, you do get that conflict, you do get the irritation, but you also get just the sort of charming minutiae of the annoyance of having to do this against everyday life you know vandals you know painting up and graffitiing the side of the shed they work out of and things like that you know having to deal with the heating bills and things i thought it was really cute i mean i sound like i'm being quite patronized but i'm really not it's a very sweet very affectionate kind of a cute documentary for lack of a better term it sounds like the kind of storyline documentary storyline that might have plenty of room for comedy in it as well i mean is there 
Oh, yeah, yeah, there are loads of laughs. I'm going to say, when you've got the older chap on his horse doing his rocking back, and, and he doesn't, because he doesn't know about framing and things like that. So they but, exploit I mean, it. Yeah. They, they really are. It, it, say, they're not really exploiting it. It's just, it's just taking advantage of the natural charm of the situation. Uh, written and directed by, by Kim Hoskins. I, I just think this is a really sweet 95 minutes. Not particularly you know, challenging in any way with documentary. I would definitely, definitely check this out. This is available on limited theatrical, I think, from today. It's called A Bunch of Amateurs. Definitely worth a watch. And I would say, if you're an Oklahoma fan in particular, unmissable. Okay. All right. Well, there's our first one um, today. Let's move on. Now, again, I I have no idea what the reference to this movie title is because sometimes movie titles completely confuse me and go over my head. Cannaval. Yeah, let me give its full title for you. Cannaval, a people's history of Haiti in six chapters. Which, Ooh. when I heard that title, I thought, oh, no. This is going to be like a weekend of my life, isn't it? Um, it's an hour and 18 minutes long. So there are six not particularly long chapters um, either. This is um, based around the idea of the carnival. That Basically, um, the Haitians have you know an annual tradition of the carnival. And this is a huge cultural component to them. And it goes way, way back to the days in which they were first colonized and enslaved, which is not a story I knew. I don't know about yourself, but I really did not know no. much about the story of Haiti at all, beyond disasters in recent years, I think. Yeah, yeah, same, same here, exactly the same. Yeah, so unless Wyclef Jean's turning up, not really a subject I'm overly familiar with. And even then, let's, let's be honest, Wyclef Jean did, uh, did not do his reputation much good as regards uh, what he did in Haiti. Um, so it is the story of the people of Haiti, where they come from, where they have been, and where they are so much, well, really now. Um, again, not a story I knew an awful lot about, but made from a wealth of archival material and sort of recreated and restored footage as well really really powerful stuff there's a lot about how they about um the just the just the destruction that slavery wrecked upon this culture and how years you know the centuries have just seemingly made things even worse and how Mm. even when the culture has managed to find its foothold when they have managed to reassert and managed to rediscover you know the, the power of their own nation how as we've just pointed out natural disasters come up as well um say really stirring stuff uh carnival people's history of haiti so it sounds a little bit more like it's a bit more social ammunition to watch this it gives you a little bit of something clued up very much so as well but i would say not quite the big time suck that you would uh, you would expect <laughs> given the subject mass i'd say barely 80 minutes given yeah. given how given how stirring it was actually i'll be honest i could have gone for about another 20 minutes to half an hour on this but it works gangbusters for what it is Always good to leave you wanting more. Um, And on to our third new release then out today, No Bears. Uh, Well, true to its title, I can genuinely tell you, there are in fact no bears (laughs) in No Bears. (laughs) Brilliant. Right. Are you you familiar with Jafar Panahi by any chance? I'm aware this might sound bizarre. It sounds bizarre and the answer's no. Okay. Jafar Panahi is an Iranian filmmaker who has gotten himself in so much legal trouble over the years. I wasn't really overly familiar with his his work until uh, Taxi Tehran a few years ago. Basically, he makes his films as guerrilla filming jobs because he's very proud of being from Iran. He loves his country. He wants to make his movies there. The government, however, 
less fond of him. Let's just put it that way. In oh. fact, I'm not sure. I think he's currently still in prison. I think that about six months ago, they finally locked him up. Is that to do with the movie he's made? For, anti- for making anti-government propaganda. Not once, oh. but several times. This is his ninth movie, by all accounts. I'm only familiar with, I think, four or five of them. And uh, again, this one... Kind of in line with a bunch of amateurs is a is a film about making films, albeit in this case it's more a film. It's it, it's not a documentary. It's kind of a staged documentary. It's kind of a mockumentary, but without the mock element. They're not really mocking it. It's kind of a, a recreated documentary in a sort of a way. So he's making his film, which for all intents and purposes seems to be sort of romantic drama about trying to escape Iran under false passports and that. But he's doing it all via Zoom, effectively. So wow. you get the story of them trying to make the film, and like you see the sets and things like that, and the actors yeah. trying to But you also then get half the runtime dedicated to Jafar himself, who kind of has all the presence of a less likable Mark Thomas, if we're being really honest. And it's just him with his MacBook in one hand, his AirPods on, and his hotspot in the air trying to get a signal because he seems to still believe that that works. Don't get it myself, but there you go. Um, I will say, it's not particularly engaging. As far as Jafar Benahi's body of work goes, I liked Taxi Tehran. Right, I have a lot, a lot of time for Taxi Tehran. I mean, uh, Case Allen used to present the show with me many, many years ago. He and I have, you know, very fond in-jokes about our relationship with Jafar Fanahi and Taxi Tehran. This is not one you're going to remember him for, other than this was the movie he was clearly, you know, this is the movie he was making when he finally got locked up. Um, at the Venice Film Festival, they actually staged a big protest for him uh, as well, on, on the grounds of this. Um, not definitely not one of his stronger efforts, I would say. But there are people who really, really love his work, and I can't help but think on the back of this that a lot of this is now coming down to the political side rather than the work itself. And I was watching this, thinking to myself, it took me back to when I was at uni and used to see student films, and and, and the students who made them would really insist upon themselves that just because they'd made the effort to make this, you owed them positivity. You're like, no. No, I'm sorry, a crap film is still a crap film. Regardless of how much effort you put into making it, I'm sorry, the results speak for themselves, as they say. Just because we make this show doesn't mean it's a good show. You know, the results have to speak for themselves. And I'm sorry, but in my book, No Bears, which is, again, as I say, features zero bears, um, does not live up. Uh, I I won't waste my time going to see that one then today on your recommendation. (laughs) amazing all right well we are going to be back in just a moment with two more we've got retrograde and the one that so many people have been waiting to see and hear about of course we're talking about black panther wakanda forever we'll be back in just a minute Hello, I'm Adam Ball, and we are back. Welcome to Off Screen Part 2. Now we're going to stick with some brand new movies um, that are out this week because there's a big one we're going to talk about in a moment, which, of course, you've probably been waiting for, Black Panther. But first, we're going to talk about Retrograde. So what's this one all about, Van? 
Yeah, Retrograde's a new documentary from Matthew Heinemann, which is a name where when you chuck Matthew Heinemann's name at me, you, you, you got my attention. You know, I mean, this guy directed City of Ghosts a few years ago, which was all about uh, ISIS and, and you know, the, the takeover of Iraq. It's one of the most harrowing documentaries I have ever seen. You know me. I've seen some dark things in my time. Like, I have reviewed some absolutely horrific things with you over the years. Yeah. And when I say, if I, I might have reviewed City of Ghosts with you on another stage, a few years ago it does ring a bell this was yeah it was a hard watch we were talking seven heads on fence posts and things like that i was just like whoa uh it was really really grim um wow this goes there as well gotta say so this oh. one is a bit more timely for us this one is about the basically the western withdrawal from afghanistan which was as recently as this past year and it's very specifically about um the, the Afghani services and the, the servicemen that were trained by U.S. military forces who were then left behind to fend for themselves. And they get tasked with holding on to what little stability they can as as you know, the Taliban start to, you know, well, the, the whole mission is they are, you know, to hold on, to keep the peace, to prevent the Taliban from re- regaining control, which obviously history tells us they did in about 20 minutes. This is the yeah. story of exactly how that happened. And, oh, my God, the actual... So, Matthew Heinemann, documentary maker who really loves to get into the thick of it, and that is something he does with a plum here. This is gritty, grounded, in Good. the thick of it stuff. And I tell you, absolutely heartbreaking. I mean, in a word, just absolutely heartbreaking. Uh, it's one of those that like, you, you you go through. There's a callousness. I know we in history. I mean, we we knew it in the West at the time. We knew there was a callousness going on because we had the benefit of 24 hour rolling news. Watching it from the other side of that equation, watching it from on the ground, as as we are told by uh, I think his name is General Sami Sami Sadat. I think his name is. Um, as we are told by General Sami at one point. Well, they're not just going to pull out and leave us, are they? They've been sinking too much money into this for 20 years. Don't be ridiculous. And you're sat there watching, thinking, oh, boy, dude, oh, no, you don't know. And and then, of course, you watch that unfold in real time. And, yeah, brace yourself for this one. It's just got the image of the plane. I was going to say, it's just got the image of the plane where they're hanging on to try and, and stop them from leaving. Yeah, the scenes of the Kabul airport oh. are there, and 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 then some. There is a lot here that you have never seen before. Like I said, there is a lot of warts and all footage on here, the likes of which you can't imagine. But also just watching, just just watching what it was like on the streets, just the movement, just trying to keep the peace as the country just effectively falls down around them. It's it's one of definitely one of the more harrowing documentaries I've seen this year. Uh, Matthew Heineman did uh, the COVID documentary uh, uh, last year as well. I think it was nine days, like that, which was you know say about COVID. Just honestly, this was heart wrenching stuff. Um, I would say absolutely unmissable. Go and see it by all means, but do prepare yourself. This is this is not in any way going to be a place. It's going to be an informative as hell, but it's it, this is going to haunt you. This is going to stick with you. I mean, I think, my personal opinion, that's what a documentary should be, because I think if you're going to do a documentary on a subject, if you're just skipping and slipping the surface, you're not really getting the full story. Now, like you say, however harrowing it is, I think these kind of things need to be told in their entirety. 
Oh, absolutely. Sorry, the first wave. That was the uh, the Matthew Heineman COVID doc, the first wave. I think um, I've seen that. Yeah, you will have it very well promoted. I think I had a TV premiere in the last few months as well. Very, very well done documentary. But, but also again, harrowing. That was another one. Yeah, that was another one. I would say, like, like this one, like, like he doesn't mess around. This guy will no. stick it in and twist that knife. You know what I mean? So, um, short and sweet at 94 minutes, but believe me, every one of those 94 minutes counts. And is that out today? That is also out today in cinemas. Rated 15. I actually think that's quite low. But what it could, I was going to say, from what you just said, it's, that is, it should be more than 18, right? From what you've just said. Oh, yeah, absolutely. To be fair, this is not as hard as City. This does not go as hard as City of Ghosts did. But it comes very close. Okay. All right. Well, um, it sounds intriguing. But like you say, it comes with a bit of a warning. Retrograde out today. Okay, it's that time that you, I know, have been waiting for, and I know you've got a lot to say about this. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, talk to me. Yep, right, pick up your tissues, throw your arms across your chest, we're going back to Wakanda. (laughs) Um, Right, elephant in the room with this one. Okay, Okay. now, we all know, obviously, the late, great Chadwick Boseman passed, you know, before they, I think they had just written the first draft of the script. I think the script, the first draft of the script had just been written. Originally we now know it was going to be about T'Challa readjusting to life after the whole Thanos flipping half the people of the universe out of existence thing. So now we've got the movie that kind of has to deal with that. Now, just to this one is not really so much of a spoiler. They they pretty much take care of this before the film even begins. So we, we literally open this. The opening 10 minutes of this are effectively a eulogy. And we are talking about some genuinely profound filmmaking. If you've, have you seen the first Black Panther, Adam? You must have seen the first one. I think I saw half of it. I know that's a sin to even say that, but I think I saw half of it, and I don't even know why I didn't watch the rest of it, because I know that it's good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, for my money, the first Black Panther is one of the top ten movies of the last decade. Like, hands yeah. down, he's the top five, possibly. Um, it is a cracker. It, it slaps so hard, that first one. Now, you've got a movie that, because of everything I've just said, we know is a compromised product. It's going to feel it, believe me. So what you get this time around is you've got the Kingdom of Wakanda, the you know the hidden way, tucked away, secretive, Afro-futurist nation that has now outed itself to the world and has, of course, also lost its great protector. In the wake of having lost that protector, however, the other governments of the world have kind of decided, well, who's going to stop you? Who's going to stop us from having your resources now? And into this mix comes a new power. Known as, I'm going to have to try and known as Kukulkan. Sorry, uh, say that one more time. Kukulkan, I think his name is, <laughs> which, transla- which translates to the feathered serpent god. Effectively, okay. effectively, Namor, the first mutant, if you're familiar with your comics. Uh, okay. Who, in the comics, is the leader of Atlantis. That's going to come up in a minute whose war against, uh, whose sort of xenophobic and protective war against humanity quickly ropes in the people of Wakanda. And before you know it, puts both kingdoms, one of whom, remember, is grieving the loss of their leader on a collision course, effectively with the fate of the Earth in the middle of it. i got a little clip for you to listen to right here. This is the Queen of Wakanda, played by the unmatchable 
Angela Bassett and Princess Shuri meeting Kukulkan or Namor or Namor, according to this movie, for the very first time. Stop! Right there! Who are you? And how did you get in here? This place is amazing. The air is pristine. And the water. My mother told stories about a place like this. A protected land with people that never have to leave. That never have to change who they were. What reason do you have to reveal your secret to the world? I am not a woman who enjoys repeating herself. Who are you? I have many names. My people call me Ahkukunkan. But my enemies call me Namor. I've got to say, I've seen the trailer. Now, um, obviously, I don't know too much about the storyline because you've seen the whole film. But I've got to say that I think the effects in this are incredible from what I've seen. Yeah, if you remember how bad the effects were in the first one, that is really something. The first one somehow, I think, got nominated for an Oscar for visual effects, which is really bizarre. Um, The first movie, it's worth noting, was the first one of this generation of superhero movies to get nominated for Best Picture which is a hell of an achievement, and I actually yeah. deserved it. I think he deserved that accolade. I actually would have given it the award, if I'm honest. Um, not a patch on the first one at all. Um, I will say it effortlessly craps all over Aquaman, which not exactly... Is that difficult? difficult. <laughs> yeah, not exactly difficult. I mean, I'm kind of mystified. And this, bear in mind, Disney once you know bought the Star Wars franchise and then released the first Guardians of the Galaxy. I remember reviewing the first Guardians movie and saying, why would you make a Star Wars when you just built just bought the actual Star Wars. Um, they're releasing Avatar 2, The Way of Water, in a month's time. But here we have a Marvel movie with blue people in water. So, kind of weirded out by that one. Um, it's a mess, to be really honest with you. It, it's emotional, really emotional. It gets there in the third act. Those first ten minutes are great. The third act, will, the third act gets there, but it's nowhere near as tight, cohesive, polished, or grand as the first one. That first movie, like I say, was quite the thing. Like, even just mm. watching it, watching the way it was staged, the way it's on. There's a, a shot I really love when you when the camera just pans into the throne room in the first one, and it's just, just a complete twist. And I, 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 I die inside. Just die of joy every time I see that shot. Um, the stuff in here people are going to like. There's a lot, though, I think people are going to be irked by. And if they're not... Odds are it's going to be because, you know, we're back in Wakanda and the first movie means that much to people. It's very telling when you see the film that we are talking about. I mean, for, you know, for, for many reasons, he was, Chad, the late, great Chadwick Boseman was comparable to Christopher Reeve. You know, he was the first guy to play that character in live action. He meant so much to so many people. I remember going to the first press show of the first one and, uh, and seeing the response. And yeah. just thinking, like, I knew this was going to be good because I'm a comic fan, but I did not think it was going to go down like this. And the second movie cannot measure up. But there are positives. I, I will say, Winston Duke just effortlessly steals this movie. And I mean effortlessly. At one point, that man walks into a room munching a carrot like he's Clive Owen in Shoot 'em Up. Doesn't even have to say a thing, <laughs> owns the movie. Angela Bassett, oh my God. I, you know, I've never dated anyone in the universe who could make me as happy as if you sat me in a chair and just had Angela Bassett lecture me. Because, honestly, after seeing this movie, yeah. Um, I love it. She's in, full, she's in full, set it off, pulling the lighter at the car and walk away in slow-mo mode. 
Wow. Love her in this. Uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus. Love her. I love Dominique Thorne as Riri Williams. I even loved uh, Princess Shura. Letitia Wright. For however problematic Letitia Wright as an actress has been in the real world, and believe me, she has not given them an easy ride through COVID. Um, it's amazing how good she is in this. Uh, like I say, those first 10 minutes and the third act, it all comes together. But before that, you are watching this thinking, what the hell are you doing? This is bizarre. Well, I guess um, there we have it. Worth watching, but if you loved the first one, don't expect it to be quite as good, which is, you know. Well, we said compromise. We said we know it's a compromise product, yeah. it, you know, yeah. and you can't really hold that against it because, you know, they, they can't help it. The movie has to exist. They can't help that, you know, he died. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's one of those things where you, you, you kind of have to realise you're, you're, you're watching a limp movie, you know what I mean? Expect it to be what it is, basically, and accept it. That's the best way to look at that one. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, out today. Um, we're going to be back in just a moment. We're going to look at some free view um, movies that you can get up to watching uh, over the next week, including Ted, Logan Lucky, and one of my favourites, Deadpool 2. We'll be back in just a minute. Good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever time you're listening to us. This is Off Screen, and welcome back. We are keeping you on your couch for this next segment. So we're going to look at movies that are worth watching on Freeview for the next seven days. So you don't have to spend a penny. You could just sit there, get some nice food, and enjoy. So... Technically TV license, you know, technically. Well, all right, if we're being really uh, pedantic about it, <laughs> you, you need to buy a TV license, of course. Um, but uh, we'll start with today, then... Um, so, life, 9 p.m. tonight. Life, oh, life, oh, life, oh, life. So, ah, um, all right, Desiree. Life, the... <laughs> so, the weird thing is, I think every year we get a movie called Life, because this came out in 2016, I think. We'd had one the year before that starred Robert Pattinson and Dane DeHaan. So, it, it gets a bit confusing. There is also Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence in Life, which I think is the sort of the movie that the Desiree song was used as the theme song to. Um, this is the sci fi one starring Ryan Reynolds, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Rebecca Ferguson, in which the crew of the International Space Station find a single celled organism from another planet that they name Calvin, only for it to quickly get out of hand. And, well, it's a sci fi movie with an alien in it and Ryan Reynolds and Jake Gyllenhaal in space. I mean,. It's on Great Movies tonight, 9pm. Have a little listen. What's going on? Okay. Miranda? Nothing in that lab can malfunction. It's on me. Yeah, it's on you. You know, I know at least five guys back home who could do my job. Nobody can do yours except you. We don't know what it is. And you're in there and you're playing around with it like it's your buddy. I'm your buddy. This will never be a controlled experiment. So let's all agree we made our first and last mistake. Does Ryan Reynolds have his usual very dry sense of humour in this? This is a bit more of a, a bit more serious Reynolds. There is a couple of moments where you do get that, that Reynolds in flourish, you know, that you, you expect. But I love that. It, 
Yeah, it's it's it, you know, you're never he's never going to play it straight. I mean, he's Ryan Reynolds. He only has, only has one mode of acting, which is you know <laughs> just just degrees of Van Wilder, isn't it? That's, that's kind of all he's got. In the yeah, um, I like this. It, it, it got a rough ride, but I think it's a pretty solid little sci-fi thing. Hey, it works. It's got one of those nice the mist riff endings. It works. Okay, just remind us when's that on and what channel. So, great movies tonight at 9pm. Also on at 9pm, this is tomorrow night on ITV2. I presume you might have seen this one. We've got a clip for this one. Um, yeah. This is, of course, uh, Ted uh, from, this is, I think, 2015? Oh, no, that's right. The sequel was 2015. This is 2012. The first. Yeah. Do you remember the first Ted? I do remember it vaguely. I, I watched it as soon as it came out, and I loved it. Of course, this is the, the story of the talking teddy bear that is brought yeah. to life in A Christmas Wish. Feature film debut of Seth MacFarlane, who was already known at this point, more than known at this point, for Family Guy, American Dad. I think probably The Cleveland Show was probably in existence by then, although we yeah. mostly wish it hadn't been. And uh, this is you know, the story of growing up and you know having your friends evolve with you, as you can hear here. How's work? Sucks. Yeah. You? Yeah, you know, not bad, actually. I, I met a girl. She's a cashier. No way, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, we should double date or something. You, me, and Laurie, and uh, well, what's her name? White trash name, yes. Mandy. Nope. Marilyn. Nope. Brittany. Nope. Tiffany. Nope. Candace. Nope. Don't f*** me on this. Do you see me f- with you? I'm not, All right, I'm, speed round. I'm going to rattle off some names when I hit you, it, buzz it, okay? I will tell you. You got me? Yeah. All right, Brandy, Heather, Channing, Brianna, Amber, Sabrina, Melody, Dakota, Sierra, Bambi, Crystal, Samantha, Autumn, Ruby, Taylor, Tara, Tammy, Lauren, Charlene, Chantel, Courtney, Misty, Jenny, Krista, Mindy, Noel, Shelby, Trina, Reba, Cassandra, Nikki, Kelsey, Shauna, Jolene, Erling, Claudine, Savannah, Casey, Dolly, Kendra, Kali, Chloe, Devin, Emily, Luke, Becky. Nope. Wait, was it any one of those names with a Lynn after it? Yes. Oh, I got you. Okay. Brandy Lynn, Heather Lynn, Tim. Tammy Lynn. <laughs> I love that movie so much. Do you know Mark Wahlberg improved all those names like from memory on the I was, day? I was about to say that must yeah. have taken some learning, but I didn't know that was completely improv. That's amazing. I say, I think Wahlberg's funnier than we give him credit for. Let's be honest, he'd have to be because he's a crap dramatic actor. Um, <laughs> uh, I, no comment, no comment. But I do love that movie. I love that. I love it when he's driving as well. I mean, that is oh, yeah. brilliant. Makes you laugh. Um, ITV2, 9 o'clock. That is on tomorrow evening. So we've got The Gift on Sunday, if you fancy watching that. No, I've not seen this. Talk to me about this. Yeah, this one's from 2015. 9 o'clock, Sunday night. Uh, Perfect time for it. It's a proper early 90s style for the adult thriller. Directorial debut of actor Joel Edgerton, who also plays the villain in this. Our heroes are, in fact, Rebecca Hall and Jason Bateman. They are the young, you know, erudite couple who seem to have it all, you know, worked out. They meet his old school friend by chance... Only not really his school friend. It turns out he was a bit of a weirdo when he was in school, and they all bullied him. And even though they've moved on, he hasn't. So you can imagine how that goes. Well worth a watch. This one does not go where you think it's going to. Really keeps you guessing. If you've not seen it, Adam, can't recommend this one highly enough. This will mess with you. I loved it. No, I haven't seen it, and I love movies that do exactly that, that take you somewhere that you don't expect. All right, Uh, so that is on uh, Great Movies, 9 o'clock on Sunday. On to Monday, Bridge of Spies on Film 4, 6.15. Yeah, Tom Hanks and Mark Rylance in a movie from Steven Spielberg, which is effectively a Cold War spy-based courtroom drama. 
in which Tom Hanks has to defend, you know, Mark Rylance accused of espionage. All ties into the, the Gary Powers incident. I don't know if you're aware of, like, Gary Powers, the, the American pilot who crashed in Soviet territory in the early 60s. No. Um, this sort of gets forgotten about, especially in the pantheon of Spielberg works. Um, worth a look. Hanks, as always, delivers. But Mark Rylance, who doesn't love Mark Rylance? That man never gets the props he deserves. However... 6.15 on Monday, film four. You can give him the props he deserves. Check it out, Bridge of Spies. And another one that never, ever seems to get remembered. And this one's by Steven Soderbergh, so two Steves in two days. Um, Logan Lucky, 9pm on um, Tuesday on film four. This is the heist movie at the racetrack. Do you remember this one at all? This is not that long ago. Yeah, no, vaguely. I, I did watch this. I did watch it, yeah. Yeah, this was Channing Tatum and Adam Driver right. and Daniel Craig. And yeah, this is Daniel Craig as the incarcerated safecracker who absolutely steals the show. And I forgot about I forgot about this movie myself. I was watching Knives Out a few years ago, reviewing Knives Out. But who knew Daniel Craig could do comedy? I think it was a friend of mine pointed out, yeah, anyone who saw Logan Lucky, I'm like, oh, yes, of course. But uh, don't just take my word for it. Let Mr. Craig himself take it away. I got five months to go in here. I should probably lay low a bit before doing a job. This has to happen in five weeks. I am incarcerated. Yeah, we got a plan to get you out. Yeah, then break me out. Yeah. In the middle of the night. No. Yeah, he can be a funny guy when he wants to be. Yeah. I'll give him that. Yeah, Logan Lucky, film four, nine o'clock on Tuesday. And now to uh, one of my favourite, actually, one of my favourite comedy movies. The first one is also in there as well, but we're talking about Deadpool 2. Film four, nine o'clock, Wednesday evening. Brilliant movie is all I can say. I love it. He has me in stitches. I mean, we've got two Ryan Reynolds movies in the, uh, in yeah, the preview yeah. docket this week. That's it all. Um, this- yeah, this this one, of course, being the superhero riff on The Terminator, for lack of a better thought, Deadpool finds himself having to protect a young child from an assassin from the future who may or may not be in the right, dependent on perspective. For my money, not as good as the first. I think the first is, is too hard to beat. The first one is just so good. But there's a lot going for the second one, including Josh Brolin as Cable. I think he's actually really good and really undervalued. But of course, as always, comes down to Ryan Reynolds, and he's just born to play this role. Um, there is some there is some debate as to whether or not he's the guy that leaps the test footage that got the first one made originally in the first place, which I think he's more or less admitted. Fair play stage. if he did. Fair play if he did. I think it worked out for him, and he finally got that movie career he was always dreaming of. So... Uh, yeah, fair play. Deadpool 2, Wednesday night, film 4, 9pm. Worth checking out. And I think to round off the week, let's talk about really the only good movie Ashton Kutcher ever did. Um, I, fair I one. Think that's fair. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. The Butterfly Effect in 2004. A movie so retro, they literally marketed it with the song It's Been a While by Stained. That's a throwback for you. <laughs> and a movie that's so good that people will even use the title as a way of explaining something. Well, I will point out that the, the, it was a term long before the movie because it goes back to the sound of it goes back to the old novel, The Sound of Thunder, which famously got turned into a really terrible movie around the I same had time. No as idea. This. 
I had no oh, yeah. idea. Oh, I thought it all came from the movie. No, it is actually time oh. travel theory. It's called the butterfly effect because the idea is a butterfly can flap its wings in to- in uh, in London and a volcano will erupt in Tokyo because the smallest thing has the largest consequence and it's always right. used in relation to time travel. It specifically comes up in The Sound of Thunder. In this case, what you get is a sort of grim, dark emo thriller for the new metal era starring Ashton Kutcher as a young man who has blackouts that he, he can't quite explain. And he has these throughout his life, and as he gets older, learns that these blackouts are, in fact, himself leaping back in time, quantum leap style, into his own body and being able to change the future. But, you know, I, I, we'll let his mum explain it for you. This is on, on Thursday night, uh, 11.15, on great movies. I don't think it's a great movie, but I think as far as Ashton Kutcher's filmography goes, I think we'll call it that. Take it away, The Butterfly When he was your age, almost exactly your age, come to think of it, he said he figured out a way to remember his past. I couldn't tell if they were real memories or just his imagination. Then, just before it got so bad, he uh, had to be institutionalized. He said he could... I've got to say, I absolutely loved this movie when I first saw it. I just it captivated me. It was I love movies that have some kind of complex modes to it, and that it does. You've really got to watch it to understand it. It's not one you can like dip in and out of. I would say, and it captivated oh, me no. from the start. And I loved it. Oh, um, yeah. So that would be really an eight dark. out of ten movie for me. But mm. very dark. Really? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Really disturbing. Absolutely. Also, there's about four different endings to this movie. I think you, one of the DVDs you can get, you can actually kind of pick it as you're going. Um, Love that. One of the, probably the softest, gentlest ending that it has uh, utilizes the song "Stop Crying Your Heart Out" by Oasis, which was brand new at the time. Um, also, worst thing, I think Amy Smart uh, doesn't quite get the uh, the praise she deserves for that one either. But the butterfly effect, I, I'm quite a fan. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Butterfly Effect on Great Movies, 11.15 on Thursday. Right, we're going to be back in just a minute and we're going to look at some of the new movies available out this week on Disc and Digital. Again, a reason you don't need to leave the house. So we'll be back in just a minute. Stay there. So welcome back then for one last ride. As we come to the end of the show today, we're going to look now at some of the movies that are available this week on disc and digital. So we'll start um, out today on Netflix, My Father's Dragon. Yeah, I'm a bit annoyed because I had the link for this as well. They actually gave me the press link for this to my, my Netflix media account, which uh, you you have one of those as well, don't you? Um, <laughs> I do, thanks actually, to you. Actually, Hey, well, well, you're welcome. Um, they, uh, they gave me the uh, the link for this, and, and I'm a big fan of the people that make this movie. So I was really annoyed that I didn't wind up with time to. I had to watch Carnival, and, uh, and this is from Cartoon Saloon, who are the Irish animation studio who gave us uh, Song of the Sea, and most recently Wolf Walkers. Uh, about two years ago, was an LFF movie. This was also an LFF movie that I couldn't make thanks to Halloween ends. So. Another reason to hate Halloween ends. Um, <laughs> the list is getting longer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, the list of reasons to hate on Halloween ends is never ending. <laughs> I mean, including the fact that it's clearly not going to be the end of Halloween. Um, 
yeah, really looking for anything with cartoon salute because just they just they make some absolutely gorgeous, wonderful movies. Uh, fun for the whole family all around. Just really wonderful family animated stories. The kind of thing you should definitely watch with with your son, kind of over the weekend. And yeah, yeah, yeah. he'd like this sort of thing. Absolutely, hundred yeah. percent. Um, okay, shall we move on to um, Mary Poppins Returns? Now, I've, you know, I hate I hate musicals. I hate sing-along versions. I would not touch this with a barge pole unless my son begged me to put it on. I can completely understand. I mean, some people... I, I've only in recent years gotten into musicals all because of this job. It's all because of right. this job and the fact that I've had to watch so many musicals that I've started to enjoy a musical here and there. I still think Dear Evan Hansen should end with the words, Dear Evan Hansen, go away. But, you know... Anyway, uh, Mary Poppins Returns is getting its sing-along version on Disney Plus today. And these Mm. sing-along versions, which have been around since, like, the 80s VHS boom. Remember the old dot on the screen, the old bouncing dot on the screen? Yeah. When you used to get your Disney VHS, and they always used to have the 90 trailers at the beginning of every single one. Zippity-doo-dah. I remember. Never getting reissued. Um, Yeah, zippity-doo-dah is... Song of the South. That is never getting reissued. Um, but yes, the sing-along version of Mary Poppins Returns, which is just a wonderful, charming little movie, uh, starring the inimitable Emily Blunt, because like, how you wouldn't think it possible. She absolutely fills the shoes of Mary Poppins. And if you don't, if you don't believe me, have a listen for yourself. Mother! Aunt Jenny! Come quick! Quickly! What is it, Georgie? Has something happened? I was flying the kite and I got caught on a nanny! Whatever are you talking about? Come! Come look! Wait, where did you get that kite? I found it in the park. She kept it from blowing away. Mary Poppins! Close your mouth, please, Michael. We are still not a codfish. (laughs) Jane Banks. Still rather inclined to giggle, I see. Good heavens. It really is you. You seem hardly to have aged at all. Really? How incredibly rude. One never discusses a woman's age, Michael. Would have hoped I'd taught you better. I agree with you. She does make a very good Mary Poppins. I cannot dispute that. Um, I would also say um, I'm I'm a massive fan of orchestral music. Um, I'm a musician myself, as you know. Um, I think the, the soundtrack to that, is good mm. it's it's not something i could watch a whole lot of but the soundtrack the, the the orchestration absolutely love it and on top of that one last thing i did see a this is how the movie was made thing on on that and i remember seeing how she uh, there's a bit there's a point in there where she falls out of the bath and she yes. had to go down like a 10 yeah. foot slide um and that was quite fascinating to see how she did it actually well, it's, it's starring, uh, it's also co-starring, and has its music written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. So I think, if I'm not mistaken, this was, I think, his first live-action effort for Disney. I think the first animated one is Moana. I think this is the first live-action one. And I will say, his English accent fares marginally better than Dick Van Dyke's did. So there's some <laughs> room for improvement, at least. You know, At least that's been managed. Okay, so that's Mary Poppins Returns. Sing along version Disney Plus, uh, which is uh, available now. Uh, so let's move to Monday. Orphan First Kill DVD Blu-ray. 
Yeah, well, I'm a huge, huge fan of the first Orphan. And uh, Orphan? Or fan? Orphan? I'm sure. Orphan. Fan. I'm a huge fan of the first one, uh, starring Isabel Furman. As, I, don't, I, can't really, I don't really want to go into too much spoiler detail other than to say, yes, there is a very obvious reason that this sequel has to be a prequel. It co-stars Julia Stiles and uh, Rosef Sutherland. Um, Julia Stiles, always happy to see her back. I'm a child of the late 90s, so, you know, it's a great day for me whenever Julia Stiles is back on screen. You know, Hustlers for Life, 10 Things I Love About Her. And, yeah, it's not as good as the first, but it's a pretty solid prequel and actually does manage to subvert expectations somewhat. It's also interesting to me how good a job they've done of making Isabel Thurman... In her, I think she's now in her late 20s, believable as like an 11-year-old girl. Wow, really? Yeah. A 20-year-old into an 11-year-old girl. How have they done that? This this got so bizarre that when it got to Halloween this year, she was posted all over Instagram having dressed up again as the character <laughs> to go out for the night. Hats off to them. It's all about what they've done is they've put everyone else on lifts. They've given everyone else like shoe lifts and things. Ah. Like, it's incredible. And just makeup effects and things like that. It's not like the makeup effects aren't completely convincing, but they work. They're, they're the passable. They work. Okay, Orphan First Kill then out on DVD, Blu ray uh, on Monday. I can't believe that the next, next uh, movie is out on DVD, Blu ray already. Nope. I, I, I know, because well, we, we reviewed this like 20 minutes ago, didn't we? Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, for my money, I, I say, I love Jordan Peele. I'm a huge, huge Jordan Peele fan. And this is kind of the difficult third album. This is the be here now of it all. And it's not going to measure up to, you know, uh, to, to get out, which comparatively really is the definitely maybe of his series. Or Us, which isn't quite the morning glory, but comes quite close. Uh, this is arguably the weakest of the three. I mean, they are getting progressively weaker. I hope he, I hope he reigns it in next time. I hope we haven't got another, you know, Shyamalan the village kind of thing going on with the next one. But this, of course, um, <clears throat> sorry, this is uh, Daniel Kaluuya as the uh, as the ranch hand whose father is killed under myster- under mysterious circumstances, who has his own theories about what may or may not have happened. And, well, I mean, the trailer didn't really make much in the way of a, a mystery out of this, but uh, you know the guy with the weird hair and all the memes who always says, hashtag aliens? Yeah. Um, yeah, hashtag aliens. What'd you see? Something about the clouds. That's big. How big? Big. You think whatever killed Pops is out there? Right here, you are going to witness... An absolute spectacle. So what happens next? Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Here we go. Run, okay, run! I do really like it, though. Yeah, see, the concept of it for me just didn't pull me in enough for me to want yeah. to go and see that or, or watch it but you know each to their own each to their own as always you can now watch it at home at least so you know less effort required 
Exactly. Totally agree. I totally agree. So that's Nope out on DVD and Blu-ray, and that is on Monday. So that is all we've got time for this week. Now, next week, here's a few that we are going to be looking at. So first up, uh, Disenchanted. Yes, the long-awaited sequel to two, mm. is it 2007's Enchanted with Amy Adams, which I don't remember at all. I do not remember Enchanted, so I have to re-watch that this weekend because, I mean, thank God it's on Disney+. Plus. Um, what else have we got? We've got to, I mean, one that you're clearly going to be all up for. Yes. References of this episode. Uh, Liam Gallagher, Nebworth 22. I didn't even know this was happening. Yeah, I am like the biggest Oasis fan. They they were my nineties as a as a sixteen fifteen year old schoolboy. Um, I never got to see them live. I'm gutted about that. I was gutted when they split up. And of course, Liam Gallagher has had this massive massive uh, resurgence. He's come back. He's got some great writers behind him. Um, Noel, yeah, kind of slipping down the way really with what he's I've doing. It, yeah. L- Liam is growing. Noel is shrinking. Of course, that led to Liam Gallagher heading straight back to where him and Noel were in the 90s, Nebworth, 2022. I was gutted I couldn't get tickets, but a friend went and said it was absolutely epic, and that is exactly what this is. We have also next week got The Menu, which I've been looking forward to, which I think stars Anya Taylor-Joy um, as I think, a sort of sexy young couple who go to an exclusive like resort island where they have like the world's finest chef, who's Ray Fiennes and happens to be evil. So that sounds like it could be a recipe for some fun. We've also got Confessed Fletch, which I do not know if this is going to make any money in this country whatsoever. This is on streaming in the US. It's yet another attempt to do Fletch for the big screen. Remember the Chevy Chase movies from the 80s? You had Fletch and you had Fletch Lives. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, we've now got a third one of these. This one stars John Hamm. I have seen it. I'm not going to tell you anything else about my opinion on it. I have seen it. It's it's going to be discussion worthy. Um, another one that's out next week. We've got Spirited with uh, Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. They are doing a Christmas movie. Apparently, it's an anarchic Christmas musical starring the pair of them. I mean, how could that not be a recipe for a good time? It's going to be fun. It's going to be a funny thing to watch, isn't it? And hopefully I'll get to see it before next week as well. Um, Armageddon time also we'll be talking about next week. I'm assuming that has no um, connection to Armageddon. Sadly not. I mean, it does star Anthony Hopkins, and I really, really would love to see Anthony Hopkins in Armageddon. I think that really would have made that movie for like, in a Michael. I mean, having said that, we have seen Anthony Hopkins in a Michael Bay movie before, and it was insane. But uh, yeah, you wouldn't know, don't you, dude? <laughs> Michael Bay made Anthony Hopkins say, "Dude." I mean, come on. Yeah, that's that deserves a round of applause. That's for sure. I totally agree. So loads of really good ones to look at next week. Um, they're all to come on off screen. So until then, I've been Adam Ball. Thanks for joining us. I've been Van Connor and we shall return. <laughs> <laughs>